News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question for Rick, give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. Rick, we made it to the August long weekend. Yeah, here we are. It's uh, it's. Uh... It's still hot. Yes. It's unbelievable. And <laughs> it, this, this temperature just seems to, doesn't want to stop, and and we don't seem to get much rain. So, um, yeah, the, the topic constantly is, is watering your plants and how much to water. It seems like it's over and over again. Yep. So, but it's, uh, you know, hopefully now everybody's, uh, you know, learned how to water their gardens and learned how to stick their finger in the soil or the piece of rebar in the soil from, from the shows listening over and over again. I think they all know that now, I hope. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think uh, everybody's kind of shifting from scheduled watering to getting the idea that eh, maybe maybe we need to try a few different things to keep up this summer. Yeah, just keep up. And some and now probably a good idea if you have big trees, just make sure you, you do that deep watering now because uh, now's the time to really for the trees to, take that good drink before we get into fall when they're starting to shut down you don't want to mm-hmm. you don't want to be doing that in september so we're at the beginning of august so now's a good time to use that that ross root feeder that deep root feeder or put the hose out there just on a dribble around the drip line of the tree and give those great big trees a good drink because um, those big trees they transpire just like we do in the hot heat so <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of roots so you can you really notice it when you, um, Aaron, when you're driving around town, you can see the grass yeah. is is drier around the trees because those trees are just sucking up every bit of moisture. <laughs> Trying to get there. whatever they can. So even the grass is struggling around you know, the bottom of those trees, and that's just because, yeah, it's they're fighting for that last bit of moisture, so we can help them out by just give them a good deep soak, okay? Not just a little, not just a little watering your lawn. Around those trees, everybody says, oh, yeah, I water my lawn, you know, two or three times a week. Well, you get a 30-foot spruce tree or, yeah. you know, a big 50-foot maple tree, uh, watering the lawn is not enough for those trees. So you need to give them a good soak. Even putting a, if you have a, a soaker hose, turn it upside down and just put it around the whole drip line of the tree mm-hmm. and just turn it on slow and then just let it, let it drip there for, you know, three or four hours. Just let it so you don't want to go so that the water's running down the no. street or anything. You just want to get a good deep soak, and and if you if you get a good really deep soak, I mean you don't you only have to do that once a month really for the big big trees. As long as you're you get a good so you get you know the farmers all talk about a good subsoil moisture to hold their crop yeah. for the season, right? And that's no different than the trees. If you just do the top, it, the grass and the trees they're just competing too much, and you just want to get a good soak. For sure, and with temperatures, looks like uh, in the 30s for most of the week, uh, probably a good time to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. We have a couple people waiting on the line for us, so we'll dive right in. We'll start off with Paul in Saskatoon. Good morning, Paul. What's your question for Rick today? Well, I have a couple quick questions, if I could, sure. please. Um, this is a year two of my potatoes. I'm not getting any flowers on them. Like last year, I had a, they didn't flower, and I had a huge crop. And again, this year, no flowering. And they, they're going yellow now. And I'm testing them to make sure, you know, watering, just like what yep. you said, put your finger yep. in. If it's dry, give them water. And yep. uh, I did a little digging, and there's lots of potatoes in there, but no flowering. What, what's no going flowering. on with that? Well, it, that's interesting. It might, did, you change, did you change varieties or anything of potato? Yeah. 
So it might be just the, the type of variety you have that you just have the type of potato just has a, it might have a, a smaller, you can't really see it, it's hidden. You know, some, some potatoes have a big flower and some potatoes have a little tiny flower. So it might be just that when you change potatoes that you just don't see the variety you have. So, uh, so that, that could be the reason right, right there. And, and uh, so if you, as long as you're getting the harvest, don't worry about it. I have a red delicious uh, apple tree yep. uh, loaded with uh, little apples. Um, do I do I start cutting some of these off and maybe I'll get larger apples on this? Because we're getting into August here and yeah, if, if you want to thin them out, uh, now is a great time to do that. So you get you know so the tree, especially with the with the heat we've been getting. Um, just so there's not so much competition, and you will get larger apples if you just, you know, you call some of them. Yep. You don't have to call that much, just, you know, especially, mainly if you get some clusters, just take a scissor out there and just thin some of those clusters out, right? Okay. Uh, you don't necessarily have to thin whole clusters out, but just thin the amount that are in a cluster, and then you'll get bigger apples. Okay, yeah, because uh, the only fertilizers that I use is uh, fish fertilizer, and I use the... Um, the tea, perfect. And yep. uh, yeah, that's what I—that's what I'm looking after them with. And, and that's all they need. If you're getting—if you're getting lots of apples, they're—they're they're liking it. So they're uh, now it's just a matter of you—you know—culling some of them so that you just get some a few bigger apples. That's what you want. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, we're going to go to Willow Bunch with uh, Drain. Good morning. What's your question for Rick today? Okay, I have some gray fox willow bushes on the north side of our house. They're in an area where there's red rock and the bottom leaves, but it's slowly working its way up, are turning more of an olive kind of a green with almost a hint of copper or rust color in them. And I'm wondering what's happening and if perhaps I'm overwatering. Okay, there's two things that they could get. One is just a, it's a fungal and uh and that could be, but one thing you have to watch for, you have a basically a blue fox willow, right? Yes. And so the blue fox willows, if you watch, sometimes they'll, they'll actually, some branches will start dying, okay? And that means you have a, 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 a willow bore, and they go right at the base of the trunk, and they drill into the hole, and then they're right in the core of the trunk. And then that cuts off all the sap to the tree, to the tree up top, and then you might have be having also the start of where the, the, the actual willow is starting to die. Okay. Well, but, uh, I've, had, I've had boar worms for 25 years, and I, I, I try to deal with it every year. Yep. Um, but usually I have this, the problem with them in the spring till about mid-June, and then I, I literally just cut, cut the branches off that they bore into because I can usually see because it's like a sawdust. Yeah. And I, I cut those branches off and throw throw them in a throw them out. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Dispose Perfect. of them. Um, so I I don't I don't really have any dead okay. branches. Okay. Yeah, then you just have a it's a bit of a fungal now, uh, so that you if you want you can just spray a, a product called Bordeaux or a copper spray. Okay. If it's, if, it's, if it's not going through the whole plant around the base, you probably just have to spray it once, and that'll clear it up. Okay. okay. If it doesn't clear it up, spray it again in about uh, in about 10 to 14 days. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I think I have some of that copper spray, so I'll I'll do that then. That'll work. Perfect. So it, it, so it's a fungus. It sounds like it sounds like the way the way you explained it, the colors, different coloring. I think you just have a fungal. Okay. It has to, it has to do with the humidity we've been having, you know, with the heat. Okay. And uh, and but you you can clear it up very easily. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye now. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more of your questions on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980. Good morning and happy August long weekend. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. Rick, we've had uh, someone waiting patiently for us on the phone line here, so we won't make them wait too, too much longer. Uh, this is Preston in Saskatoon. Good morning. What's your question for Rick today? Rick, uh, I've been um, running raised uh, flower beds, um, in particular fabric uh, pots filled with sunshine mix, and I've been growing tomatoes in them. Now, I'm talking 15 gallon times 30 pots. I'm wondering, uh, can I reuse this uh, soil every year? Do I have to try and you know, throw some different vegetables in there, or can I just reuse this for tomatoes as I make lots of salsa? Well, what I suggest you do is that uh, the top, basically six to eight inches, I would always renew. It's so full of roots and everything else, but you can you can use that soil for the for the bottom of an, of another pot if you want, okay? And so as a filler type of thing, and so you can do that. But uh, but I would suggest that top six eight inches where your roots, from especially your vegetables, are going to grow in. The, the plants I find just do way better when I just remove that top little bit and put fresh stuff in every year. Uh, you'll have better results. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate okay. your time. Yep. All right. Uh, we have a couple of texts that are waiting for us here that we can kind of go through. But if you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call or text at one 332 Over to the text line, we have one from Ken in Regina. It's on Tiger Lily. After blossoms have fallen off, when can you transplant the bulb? Uh, once once that, that leaf has turned basically brown. So you want all the energy is in the leaves, and the leaves, leaves are still creating uh, energy for the, to re-energize re, re, uh, the bulb for next year. So it's still putting food. And so right up until that stem turns brown, then you can move them. And usually that's around the first week of September. You can start moving the, the, your lily bulbs around, not a problem. Okay, we have another uh, lily question. Uh, this one is coming from Faye in Saskatoon. I have these little red bugs eating small holes in my lily petals and leaves. They don't seem to be bothering my daylilies. What can I do? Yeah, those are, those are, they're just orange or red, the lily beetle. And you need to keep on top of that because they all just keep spreading and spreading and taking just your, not your, not your jail lilies, but they just go after the hybrid lilies. Okay. So you need to spray them about every 10 days and you want to spray especially the backside of the leaves. And what you can do, you can watch too on the backside of the leaves, you'll see a little cluster of, of orange eggs and you can actually pick those off as well if you, if you see them and then, uh, and then destroy them. Uh, so that's important. But uh, if, if you don't get rid of them, they'll, they'll go into the soil and they'll just come back every year worse and worse and worse. So you need to keep on top of them using things like uh, Endol you can use or Ambush. And uh, I just don't like spraying the flowers, but the flowers are done pretty much right now. Yeah. So now just but make sure you get the backside of the leaves when you're spraying. That's important. 
And we were talking a little bit off air uh, before the show started here just about bugs coming in, like people talking a lot about bugs and different uh, things that they're seeing in their gardens. What, what are you seeing come into the garden center? Oh, uh, seeing a lot of, um, uh, like we talked before, the willow bore, yep. uh, pop, the aspen bores, that, that we've been seeing a lot of that, and to treat those, uh, just make sure, number one is if you keep your plant healthy, so don't go under stress, whether water stress or nutrient stress or whatever, that, that will, the bores are attracted to plants that, that, that are weak. The plants actually send out a bit of a pheromone that, that attracts them when, when they're stressed. So as long as you keep the plants not stressed, you won't, you'll have less chance of having a bore. Okay, that's huge. Okay. So um, uh, that's the one. That's number one. Uh, the one other one I'm getting lots of calls about is uh, uh, people have maple trees in that. They're they're finding all their their sidewalk and their cars or their furniture all sticky. Yes. And right now the the they're right full of. I just looked at one here the other day and it's just it's full of uh, it's full of aphids and it's full of spider mites. And those plants, and in fact, the wasps are all hanging around them right too, because they're actually they're eat, some of those wasps are eating the aphids, but they're also collecting the sap that mm. that the that these aphids and spider mites are excreting. And so, um, and so, to keep them clean of those of the aphids, that's the big one. Um, is is that you won't have so much sap dripping? But uh, uh, so that's another big one. And also now beginning also uh, is people are saying. Normally, every every so many years, we get the tent caterpillars in the spring going after the choke cherries and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, now we're getting uh, there's a there's a, it's a different tent caterpillar, but a, or a, a webworm that are causing these tents in apple trees, especially. Okay. And uh, so I'm getting lots of calls for that, and that's an easy one to get rid of. If if you see the tents really small, just put a pair of gloves on, and just squish them. Okay. You know? <laughs> and then no chemical involved. Or yeah. Otherwise, you can use a product called BTK. So BTK is uh, Bob, Tom, Ken. Okay, BTK is a biological. So you spray it on the leaves. It doesn't affect anything. It doesn't affect humans or other insects or anything else. It only affects caterpillars. And it's a, it's a bacteria that gets into their, once they ingest it by eating the leaf, it basically it gives them a big tummy ache, and then they quit eating, and then they die. And so... Um, uh, so that works really good for for any kind of caterpillar at all, but it only goes after caterpillars. Okay. It doesn't, get, it doesn't affect beetles. It doesn't affect bees. It doesn't affect anything. Just caterpillars. Pretty targeted yeah. approach. Pretty targeted approach, and so that works really well uh, to go after that. And then another one we're getting is uh, is people who have any kind of vine, whether it be grapevine or Virginia creeper or clematis, and they're getting the leaf hoppers. That's, you see these little, they look like little white type of flies, and as soon as you go close to them, they start jumping from leaf to leaf. <laughs> yep. So the best way to get rid of those is uh, you spray in the evening uh, when, it's, when it's dusk, because then they, those bugs will just settle in, and they won't be jumping around so much. And you need to use a hose-in sprayer, because you just can't use a mister, because the bugs are on the backside of the leaves hiding in the mugs. So you got to use a hose-in sprayer, which can actually blast water right into the into the canopy of your vines, and uh, and you used ambush with that, and it, it, it affects the nervous system, and it's safe for humans as well. So uh, that that's that's a good one to use, and if you do that every, twice, um, once, and then again in ten days time, then you'll pretty much clean them up. Should be good to go. Yep. Uh, we have a couple more texts that we can probably get to here before our news break. Uh, this one is coming from Bobby. My Reaper peppers have lots of blooms, but no peppers. 
Well, up the blooms, that means they're not getting pollinated, so you've got to okay. be the bee, okay? Grab a so Q-tip. With this, <laughs> with, this, with this heat, I'm hearing that quite often, and uh, so just have to, yeah, grab the Q-tip and cross from different plants and also different flowers, cross back and forth. You, you're going to hit each flower multiple times crossing, and then you'll, you'll get your peppers. Okay, this one's uh, related to it. It's from Martha in Martinsville. Can you explain why our zucchini and squash are not bearing fruit? The plants themselves seem healthy, lots of blooms. We've even seen a few bees at work, but only one squash so far. Could that just be a pollination issue too? Yeah, that is definitely a pollination issue again. So same thing again. We've got to be just like the last one. We've got to be the bee. And you, you're with this heat. We're seeing that the, a lot of people are having issues with pollination with the bees with the heat. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you might have a spot where you've got only a few bees, but a few bees is sometimes not enough because they have to go back and forth a lot, right? Yeah. So, so that's all you have to do. The same thing, and then you'll you'll get your squash, and you got lots of time to get. If you pollinate, you've got lots of time to get squash. They grow really quickly. It's one of those ones too where I think uh, you know if I saw some some bees around, I'd think, oh yeah, it's probably fine. But yeah, they might need a little extra help. Yeah, need a little extra help because uh, there's some bees are more efficient than like leaf cutter bees, mm-hmm. uh, and the honey bees are more efficient than let's say just a wasp or a, you know other types of flies and that kind of stuff. There's certain bees that are more efficient at pollinating and do a better job of pollinating, so uh, you might not have those type of bees in your area. All right, uh, um, we have one from Jason in Maryfield. Just wondering when is the best time to trim back our cotton easter hedge. Well, if you're doing light trimming, you can do that all through the summertime. So you can just shape it and everything else. It doesn't matter when you do it. Uh, but if you want to do a major pruning, do it after the leaves have turned red in the fall. Or otherwise, do it first thing in the spring before the leaves even come on. So if you want to trim it right down to like two feet off the ground, if it's eight feet tall and you want to bring it down, or you want to eight feet tall and you want to bring it down in half, the best to do that when the plant is dormant. But if you're just doing a, a shaping, just a minor pruning. You can do that anytime during the summer. Perfect. So maybe something to add to the to-do list if you're if you're going to be going a little dramatic with it, but otherwise you're good yeah. to go anytime. Yeah, perfect. Just uh, if you like to go out there in the heat, otherwise just do it early in the morning or in the evening when it's not quite so hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and then just make sure that you uh, give that plant some right now. Uh, uh, give it a watering, and we're at the very beginning of August with the shrubs. You can give them one last little fertilizer right now. Uh, being for shrubs, trees, I'm pretty much done fertilizing for the year, but uh, the shrubs, I can give it one last fertilizing, and then you'll get some growth to make it fill out nice again. Perfect. If you have questions for Rick, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to take a quick break for news, and then we'll be back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question for Rick, we'd love to hear from you. Just give us a call at one 332 8255 Looks like we're in for another hot few days here, Rick. So we've been talking a little bit through the show about making sure you're giving your plants the right amount of moisture. Uh, throughout the summer, it's been quite the challenge for people. What are some of the top tips and tricks to make sure you're not overwatering? Yeah, just monitoring your soil. Uh, that's the big one. Um, just don't go on a schedule like I always talked about. It's just, you know, sticking your finger or piece of rebar or if you have a moisture meter you can use that anything to learn your soil and i think by now a lot of people are have learned their soil a little bit and yep. uh, and uh so they'll know exactly 
now they can almost go to a schedule, basically, and uh, because the, the weather's been so consistent, just hot. hot <laughs> yeah, hot. it's just really hot all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we haven't had, you know, days of cloudiness and, and sunny and rainy, and it's been all consistent, just hot. So now we should have learned our garden by now, and... Uh, and so you'll just—it's just huge um, because even like we're talking about at a few calls about you know uh, little fungals happening on mm. the plants, and that's because we're watering, and then you get the heat, and then you get at nighttime you get the humidity, and that's perfect conditions for a lot of fungals to happen. So that's why it's so important even the time of day to watch when, when you're watering, and uh, and so that that's that's the big one. And uh, but right now, like I said, it was very important is for all these big trees. Because right now, especially for big spruce trees, the spider mites love it when it's hot. They reproduce like crazy. <laughs> and so you see all those needles dropping on the inside. Well, as long as the tree has good moisture, they can resist a lot of those spider mites from sucking all the moisture out of the needle. If the plant can replace it, so just making sure that uh, you have the you have the moisture there. And uh, same thing, it's, it's real hard. You have out in the farm, you have all these windbreak rolls and everything yep. else. Well... If you end up having these big, you know, your big, your big trucks with the big water tanks you use for you know, hauling water for spraying, if you can go out there and give them a one, just one good watering uh, with your big water truck, that's enough to sustain them so that they don't get weakened and get things like needle cast disease and things like that. So uh, it's important. I mean, you've grown those trees for, you know, years. <laughs> sometimes generations yeah. through the farm, you know. And you just don't want to have one bad or two bad years to be able to lose a lot of those plants or put them in stress mode that they, you can lose them through another uh, things like needle cast disease. So uh, keeping them healthy with that water tank is uh, is is huge. We have a couple of calls coming in now. Uh, we'll start off with Tom in Choiceland. Good morning, Tom. What's your question for Rick today? Well, I know I was talking him before about the cabbage or whatever so he, he figures that is that that tdk or whatever you were just talking about spray yeah. on there yeah btk is safe to use on your cabbage for cabbage worms that's about the only thing that i will actually tell people to use because there's no other stuff you can you can basically use on them so btk it's 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 part of the caterpillar family and you can use that, and it, it only affects the the it only affects that that cabbage worm. The only thing other you can do is is to is use a crop cover over top of them because you're trying to stop that little white butterfly, that little moth, right? Yeah, they're flying all over. <laughs> yeah, so you can use a crop cover over top of two to to make sure that the um, that they don't land on and lay eggs on top of your cabbages too. So that that's one preventive way you can do it as well. Yeah, and another question I was asking, I. I think I asked you before, maybe about it, about how to keep the maggots out of your onion. Yeah, that one there, the best way to do that is as soon as you plant your onions in the spring, put them in a different location. They did this last year. Okay, next year, put them in a different location. And then and then put the crop cover over top of your plant, your onion patch. And then put little sticks or little wires to hold the crop cover off the ground a bit. And wait until, because as soon as the, the uh, onions pop out of the ground, that's when the fly from the onion maggot is just hanging around something yellow. And what's yellow in the spring is dandelions. So if you can put them on until the dandelions are done, they're flowering, what will happen then is those usually onion maggot flies will just take off and go somewhere else to lay their eggs. And if you can get past that point, then you won't have them for the whole summer. So 
that is the best way to get it because you don't know when to spray. That's the problem. It's well, really that hard. The same to... Is that the same worms that affect the radishes? Uh, it, no, well, it's a, it's actually a different, different fly for the, for the, for the radishes. But you can do the same thing with the radishes. If you can get past that first time, that first two or three weeks, uh, when they first pop out, the leaves pop out of the ground, uh, you'll, you'll miss that cycle of the fly. It'll go somewhere else, hopefully to your neighbor's place, right? <laughs> but then not <laughs> yours. Where are they coming from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they may be coming from the neighbor's place, but yeah, you want them to move on to the next place. So that is, using the crop cover is bottom line is about the only way you're going to, to solve that problem. Well, what, what about what you talked uh, I met. I heard you mention before on your show about um, that grub, that grub being nematodes. The nematodes work good, but uh, but I find that uh, with those ones there, but by the time you have you're putting the nematodes down, the worm already found its way into the into the radish itself, right? So uh, so a lot of times it's too late. They've already done the damage. So that's why I want to put the crop cover on so I don't get the damage to begin with. So uh, otherwise you can put the nematode in uh, fairly shortly after the uh, when the leaves just first pop out of the ground. Then you can put yeah. the nematodes on as well, and that will also help uh, protect them as well. But honestly, that crop cover is very simple to do. You can use it year after year after year. You can even use it to finish off your crop for things like your pumpkins and your watermelon and, and things that you want, cucumbers that you want to, you know, extend the season into September by keeping it a little bit warmer at nighttime. Uh, that crop cover you can use for a lot of a lot of, lot of different uses. Yeah, but... The only problem is, is I'm disabled, and and my mom is just about disabled. So, like, um, we're trying to look at the simplest way. Yep. You know? Well, then, try the try this. One way is a nematode, or otherwise, yeah, get somebody to help you to put those crop covers off and take them off again in about three weeks' time after they popped out of the ground. Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate the show. It's a really good show. Thanks, Tom. Okay, thank you. All right, we're going to go to Brian now. Good morning, Brian. What's your question for Rick? Good morning. Um, I'm I'm in charge of a small town, and I'm supposed to make it look better. So I've got to, like, trim the trees and the bushes and everything around. And I'm wondering if it's okay to do it now or if I need to wait. Or, but it, And it's also to, like, take off bigger branches. Like, there's places where i got to cut grass. And to, to get out closer to the tree, I need to cut some branches off to, a little bit higher. Yeah, that's not a problem right now at all. Actually, it's a great time to prune a lot of maples, birches, all those kind of things, elms, maples, uh, ash. You can do, you can prune all of them right now. Not a problem at all. Okay, and what about like bushes, like lilacs and stuff like that? Yeah, the only thing with lilacs you got to watch for is if you give them a major pruning right now, you won't get. It won't hurt the plant, but you won't get as many blooms next year. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. And so, but it won't hurt the plant. But that's that's you know, I like doing a, a light pruning right after they finish blooming. Okay. okay. But but otherwise, if you want to do other pruning, you, you know, because uh, then they put new growth on after that, and then they bloom that next year. Okay. If you want to do a, if you want to do a major pruning, uh, you could, I like doing that when the plant when that lilac is dormant, and but then you lose a year of flowers, right? Like if you oh, want to trim it. If you want to trim a 12-foot lilac down to six feet or something like that, right? And then I'll do it when it's dormant. Okay. Other than that, other than that, all your little dogwoods and your potentillas and all that, all your little shrubs around your town, you can okay. you can you can trim them now. It's not a problem. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Have a great day. Take care. Bye bye. You too.
All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more of your questions on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. And we have a lot of text starting to come in, but if you have a question, you can always give us a call, too. It's all the same phone number, one 332 Eight two five five. So I guess we'll just dive into the text line and see uh, see what we have here. Um, this one is from Renata in Momart. Uh, I need some tips for petunias in hanging baskets. Mine seem to be doing well until now. My standing pots look beautiful. The fertilize I, I fertilize, but there is not much happening with the baskets. Tips for any summer blooms and growth? Yeah, number one is because it's so hot, you're watering lots. So you just have to you have to add actually you're leaching the nutrients like especially nitrogen, uh, not so much you don't leach a lot of the phosphorus out of the pot, but but nitrogen will follow the water right through the bottom of the pot when because usually you water the pot so the water comes out the bottom so you know that you, especially in a hanging basket um, or even your patio pot and that kind of stuff. So just make sure that you're you can you can almost go to a constant feed if you want. Okay. As long as you're um, as long as you're doing a flush with water about every fourth or fifth watering, that you just use straight water, so you you actually flush some of the salts out, okay? Because otherwise you can get a salt damage if you use continuous. But if you use continuous uh, fertilizing, we have that in the greenhouse as well. Uh, you have to go. You don't go to full strength. Okay. Go to half strength, and then uh, then your plants will do a lot better, especially when you're watering so much. Yeah, but go to half strength. And then uh, make sure that every fifth or so watering that you're you're um, you're just using straight water with no fertilizer, just to give a good flush of that salts out of the pot. Just give it a little extra boost. Yep. Uh, we have a question about uh, cucumbers. I have cool breeze cucumber plants. I've harvested a couple so far, but now I'm finding the small cucumbers that are starting to grow are turning yellow. Is this a pollination problem? If they're turning yellow, it's uh, you said the leaves are turning yellow. Is that right? Uh, it look it sounds like the small cucumbers themselves are starting to turn yellow. Are turning yellow? The cucumbers themselves are turning yellow. That could be uh, a lot of times. It's either a nutrient issue, okay, okay or it's your uh, also it could be a watering issue too. So you know they're again inconsistent watering. So uh, and also just make sure that you know so the cucumbers also um, they. A lot of times you'll get a whole bunch of leaves and they won't get any sunlight either. So you'll see some different coloring if they don't not get any sunlight. I don't like them to get the full hot sun. Yeah. So you don't want to take them exposing completely uh, from the sun. Those leaves are also protecting the the, the vegetable as well. So uh, uh, so don't trim all the leaves away. But you know if it's really really thick, you might want to just trim a, a one leaf or half a leaf out out of that thing so that. You get a little bit of light in there, but not not uh, just to help to ripen it better as well. Okay. Um, this one is, uh, I have sprayed the leaf hoppers three times with Ambush, and I think there are 20 times as many now. Do you have any suggestions? And they say they were using a hose end sprayer. Yeah, and uh, as long as they're doing it in the evening when they've settled in. Okay. If they do it in the day- daytime, a lot of times they'll spray off, and, and Ambush is a contact mainly. And so you're not hitting them. They're just flying off and sitting back up in the air, laughing at you, and then coming back afterwards. So, uh, so you got to do it. Do it in the in the in the later e- in the evening when it's right about dusk. Okay. When they just settle in and they won't fly off on you. Okay. 
So maybe just a bit later in the day, and hopefully yeah. that'll help. Yeah, and also you, you get things like bees aren't around. Other other insects that you want that you do want are are not around as well. Okay. Um, this one is, uh, can a straight eight cucumber have only male flowers? Plant is in a pot, so I have only one. Many flowers and always see many bees on it, but no fruit set, nor do I see any potential female flowers. Yeah, that's why when you, when you plant your cucumbers, I, I like planting, you know, um, like if I put in seed in the ground, I'll put, I'll put two or three seeds in the hill. Okay. Right, and then that way you'll get the better cross pollination as well. Uh, this will do better. Okay, mm-hmm. and so um, uh, sometimes if it's just one single plant, sometimes you can get that. You won't get good cross pollination. You'll get won't get a great crop. So just plant next next year. Plant two plants in the same pot. You'll be fine. The plants will do fine, and you'll you'll find you'll get better fruiting. Okay. Um, this one is, uh, I have leaves or the leaves on my delphinium on the east side of my house are starting to turn brown and all the combine have gone yellow. Well, all the other flowering pots seem to be really happy. I water pretty much every morning. Uh, and also second question, why are there so many wasps this year? <laughs> yeah, it's just the heat. They love the heat yep. wasps. So it, that, that's all it is. Just, it's the perfect weather conditions for it. There are a lot of wasps and and right now, because there's a lot of wasps, because there's lots of food, yeah. uh, like uh, there's uh, there's a poplar just above the patio that we're at right now, and and it's just full of aphids, <laughs> spider mites. It's just incredible. You can just you can see the sap on the outside of the leaves, <laughs> and the wasps. The, the, uh, there's two things: the wasps and the black hornets. That must the ones that are that look like wasps yeah. because they're all they have black striping. Mm-hmm. Um, those ones there, they they're just because there's lots of food, they're producing. Like they're, the nest is just huge, getting huge right now. So if there's lots of food, like anything else, they'll just produce more, more, um, more offspring to be able to go collect it. So um, that, that's just the reason why. Uh, sorry, what was the first question again? The leaves on the delphinium on the yeah. east side of the house are turning brown. Yeah. Uh, all the other plants seem to be doing fine, and they water pretty much every morning. Yeah, no, I just saw my, my mother-in-law's, I saw the same thing, and it, I looked at it closely, and it was full of spider mites. And the same reason, at the mm. bottom, yellow or brown at the bottom, and it was just full of spider mites. So just watch for the spider mites, use some endol or uh, um, some endol, and give it a good spray, or just blast it with cold water. Uh, that'll help to dislodge some of those spider mites, or you can even use, uh, if you want to go more of a harder chemical, you can go with malathion. Okay. And uh, but there's that's what I saw that there's just tons of spider mite on that delphinium. All right, we're gonna go to Rod and in Indian Head uh, quickly before our news break here. Rod, what's your question for Rick today? Hey, good morning, Rick. Um, my question is this: is my daughter and I went out and got a community garden in town here this year. Yes, and I've never gardened ever before. She's done one. Good we uh, we were most excited to harvest uh, watermelon last night. Yes. So we got it. We cut it open. And it was white inside. Yeah. Where well, did we go wrong? Well, also not quite ready yet. Oh. Okay, so the the watermelons in Saskatchewan because of our season. Yeah. They'll finish. They'll finish off about the first week of September. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. And okay. what you have to do once once the temperatures start dropping down, 
Uh, like I've I've got seventeen palm watermelon before, and that's because I've used a crop cover to in in the last week of August and in the first week of September, uh, I put the crop cover over it in in the, in the evening to help hold yeah. the nighttime nighttime heat. They put yeah. most of their weight on in the end of August and the first week of September. That's when they get the that's when they finish off the best. When the, okay. And so, but I just need to keep that little bit of heat in because sometimes some of the nights are getting down like to five degrees at that time, right? Beginning of September. Right. So yeah. you just need to help keep that heat in and just using a crop cover over top of them. Uh, I find because a lot of times if I forget to take it off in the morning, it's not a problem, right? Uh, if you yeah. throw a sheet on there, then you don't want, you have to take it, make sure you take it off for the, in the morning again. But a crop cover, which is that white fabric, it lets yeah. light through, it let water through. And you can you can get a really nice uh, finish of a watermelon off at the end, end of August and beginning of September. Uh, you really? just took you just you just harvested too early. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Live and learn. I appreciate the help very much. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Rod. Yep. We are going to take a quick break for news. Then we'll be back with more garden talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.